deep dish pizza, tavern style pizza, quad cities pizza. This week, we try it all in Chicago. Traveling the world to bring you delicious dishes, tasty beverages, and interesting experiences. This is the Destination Eat Drink Podcast on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. I'm Brent Peterson, host of Destination Eat Drink, the travel podcast for foodies. Each week, we visit a different city and try the best dishes and drinks there. This week, it's a little different because we're focusing on one dish, pizza in all its glorious forms in Chicago. But first, be sure to subscribe to Destination Eat Drink. Then you'll get each episode delivered automatically to your phone, tablet, or computer. Just go to radiomisfits.com or wherever you get podcasts to subscribe. I've also listed all the episodes at destinationeatdrink.com. Just click on podcast. Back when the recession hit, Jonathan Porter was trying to figure out what to do with his life. He was working at a company where sales were falling and his wife was pregnant with their first child. Then it hit him, literally, right in the head. But I'll let John tell the funny story of how Chicago pizza tours started. Let's have some pizza. Destination, eat, drink. John, I always thought that food tours were the most genius idea ever, but you must be the Stephen Hawking of food tours, a pizza food tour. How'd you originally come up with this idea? Um, yeah, so, I, you know, there's never really one thing that leads you to, to quit a job, buy a bus, uh, build a website, and start taking strangers out for pizza. It's usually, you know, a combination of, of several things. But, you know, it starts with having a, a huge appreciation for pizza. Uh, it was a big part of my life growing up when, when it came to family parties and, and also with my friends as well. We were the kind of guys where after the baseball game, you know, we didn't want to go out for ice cream or anything like that. We wanted to go for pizza. Um, so it, it was just a huge part. Some of my earliest memories are, you know, burning straws on those little red candles at these <laughs> – <Right. laughs> These lounges in, in Melrose Park. My dad's family was from Melrose Park. So, uh, you know, me and my cousins were, were off, you know, up doing that stuff. And they would just keep throwing down, you know, thin crust pizzas and we would just eat them and the adults got to socialize. So, um, you know, I was in a sales job. Uh, and it was around probably 2008 or so. Uh, it was a family business and we were doing promotional products. And, and really, if you think about 2008, um, it was a time where uh, the economy was taking a turn for the worse. Um, a lot of companies were pulling back. The housing market was kind of crashing. And a lot of companies just didn't have the budget for what we were selling. So it, it started to become these awkward conversations where I had these great relationships with my customers. Um, but they're like, OK, well, you know, at the end of the day, I'm sorry, we can't buy anything, you know, and it made sense to me. You're not going to buy a uh, hundred dozen golf balls with your company logo on it while you're laying off the marketing department at the same time. Right, right. Um, so it was kind of this this moment where I'm like, you know, well, what am I going to do? Well, uh, my, my wife had taken a food tour um, through her company and she wasn't a huge fan of the of the actual tour. She was pregnant at the time, uh, you know, with our, our first kid. And uh, she was hungry <laughs> when she went on this tour. <laughs> and, uh, and the tour kind of kind of putzed around a little bit where, you know, she wasn't really getting much food. It was about smelling spices and licking oils and all that. And I remember she was just like, oh, I, you know, I, I did this food tour and I wanted to eat afterwards. And, Feed me. Right, right. And, uh, 
and it, it kind of it was like a light bulb moment, you know, where I was sitting there. I'm like, gosh, you know, I, I I would love to do a food tour based on strictly pizza. You would never leave that tour hungry. And there's so much variety of pizza in Chicago. Uh, so much that we're known for, but so much that maybe we really are that we're not known for nationally. So um, I it kind of it. it morphed into this idea. I said, you know what, honey, I'd like to do a Chicago pizza tour. I think that would be great. And from across the room, she took out her American Express card and slung it at me <laughs> as I was sitting there on GoDaddy's site saying, oh, look at that. Chicago pizza tour is, is, is available. It's, it's almost like it hit me in the back of the head. You know, and she's like, buy that. Start building this company. You know, you, you don't know what you're going to do, what, what the next 10 years might lead. So, um, so, so that's what it was. I was, I was carefully pushed off the ledge to to secure this website I'm like I guess this has got to be 2008 or so um, and you know from there I basically it was uh, it was slow moving to start out with I I still was was hanging on to that sales job you know we, we just had our, our our son in in March of 2009 and um, you know I'm trying to make it work while at this point taking a part-time job with the city of Chicago teaching tennis to like kids in the afternoon, which is really okay. just a glorified daycare, and then adults <laughs> in the evening. And I would come home, you know, it'd be like 10, 10 30 or so. And you know, when you're doing a physical activity like that, you can't just come home and go right to sleep. So um, it was those nights where I would sit there and I'd be like, okay, we need to visit this place, and then this would be the order, and then this place, and this. Place. And I started to piece together how I thought uh, a, a Chicago pizza tour might work. Um, so we kind of went through it uh, all that summer. And next thing you know, it was incorporated. Um, and we were off and running in, in 2010. So it's it's actually we just celebrated being in business now for 10 years. Uh, I'll tell you, John, my takeaway from that story, my number one takeaway is you, if you didn't know that before, you married the right person because <laughs> yeah. your wife is pregnant with your first child. And the economy is in the toilet and it's getting worse. And she's like, yeah, go for it. Right. It, it, it really was. And uh, and we, we've talked about it, uh, you know, especially since it's coming up on 10 years. You know, we've, we've had some conversations about what it was like in the early days and what it was like actually starting the company, you know, because she really, you know, helped me do just just about everything leading up to the launch. And uh, I, I, I got to be honest, I don't know if we could do it again. It was so much crazy work right. and, and with a newborn. And, uh, and it was just, I, I think back to those days where, you know, um, just even little things, buying the bus and, and, uh, one of the, one of the toughest problems that we had after we had everything set, we couldn't find insurance for it because it was such a, it's such a niche at the time. You know, we were, uh, we needed to have these, this bus insurance to take people to restaurants and feed them. And then the business was like, well, so your transportation company, like a limo company, I'm like, no, we're not that. Or, Okay, so you're feeding them, you're a restaurant. I'm like, no, we're not that either. So it really fell into this gray area that hadn't particularly been done before. They didn't um, know what box to put you in. Exactly. And it, it was uh, it was a real challenge getting through, the, through all that. Um, so but anyways, once it's all, all done and the dust settles, uh, you know, then the next thing you know, it's like now we're, we're a startup that has no money left over. Um, and it's just a website floating in space. Is anybody going to take a Chicago pizza tour now? It's just sitting up there, you know, and it was whoever could find the website, you know, w would sign up and, you know, we'd get two tickets here or four tickets here. And it, it really became this like um, this snowball rolling down a hill um, where I, I figured if we could take out 
um, you know, a few hundred people in the first year, maybe we'd be off to a start. And this would be kind of like my glorified lemonade stand as opposed to an actual business, you know. And uh, I think, you know, in the first year, we took out around, you know, 900 people, which really surpassed, you know, what I had expected. Um, but that following uh, in, in May of 2011, just that month alone, we ended up taking out 500 people. So 900 wow. people in 12 months and then 500 that one. It was like a light switch had gone off. People were now aware of food tours a little bit more. And people were, were looking for Chicago pizza tours. And and uh, I remember, you know, we, would do, we were doing some of these tours that, that first summer. And people were like, oh, well, you know. How long has this company been in business? Just assuming that a thing like a Chicago pizza tour has been around for 30, 40 years right, or something right. like that. And, I, and I'm, I'm like, no, uh, I could probably count on, uh, you know, both hands how many tours I've actually given, you know, while, while you're asking this question, assuming this business has been around forever. Right. So, um, yeah, it was, it was a, definitely an exciting time you know, starting the pizza tour. So let's talk pizza. Let's get into it because the thing about Chicago and pizza is everyone thinks it's Chicago style pizza, but it's so much more than that. But before we get into all that, let's define some of these pizzas. Like describe for someone who doesn't know what is a real Chicago style pizza. How do you describe that? So, so the deep dish pizza, and the best way for me to describe it is to just show you how, or tell you how it's been constructed. Uh, a deep dish pizza is going to be cooked in a about one inch high uh, cake pan that's been seasoned to cook pizzas in. And the way they'll, they'll make a deep dish pizza is that you're going to use a dough that uh, doesn't have a, a strong yeast to it, not a lot of air within that dough, and it's got a lot of oil in it as well. And basically what you do is you take that one inch deep pan and you coat the bottom of it with a mixture of corn oil and vegetable oil. Then you take your dough and you pat it down gently as you spin the pan in a, in a circular motion. And you, what you're doing is you're working the dough all the way across the bottom of the pan. Once it gets to the edges, you start pulling it up on the edges with your fingertips. Then after that, you're going to lay down slices of mozzarella. Always slices, never shredded cheese. Right, right. And those slices of mozzarella, for the longest time, I thought that it was the reason they used slices was so that it would create that barrier level so that the sauce from on top, the liquidy sauce on top, wouldn't kind of penetrate into the dough and make it a little bit soggy because deep dish pizza is always real crispy on the bottom. Right. Um, but then I was making a pizza last year. I was fortunate enough to have Mark Malnati from Lou Malnati's make Oh, a yeah, the guy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he, he was he was teaching me how to make deep dish pizza. They were, I was working on a book with somebody, uh, not my book, but I, they had hired me as a consultant to help them out. And we were in the kitchen and he was showing us. And he goes, he looks at me and uh, he says to me, you know, you know why we use slices, right? And I'm like, you know, here I am. I've, I've been doing this for nine years at this point. I'm like, yeah, you know, <laughs> so make sure none of that sauce gets in there and sagifies our pizza. I know sagify is not a real word, but I'm still going to use it. You know? <laughs> and he looks at me like I'm a clown. And he's like, no, <laughs> which is so funny, too, because his personality is, is really good. And he just goes, the reason for the mozzarella being sliced like that is for the application of sausage. Because across the country, pepperoni is the number one topping by far. But in Chicago, it's all right. about sausage. And what they figured right. when they were inventing that pizza was that if they laid down uh, uh, basically a flat surface of cheese, they were able to pinch and, and basically push the sausage onto the pizza much quicker than if there was shredded cheese down there first. 
So that was one thing I learned, you know, nine years afterwards, that, that that's why they use slices of mozzarella. I had no idea. And then the other the other thing about Chicago-style pizza, of course, and you sort of touched on this, John, is that the sauce goes on top, not on, not on the bottom. Right. So after you lay down your slices of mozzarella, your sausage, then you get a big, chunky, hearty sauce. Most of the time, what they'll do is they'll get... Um, California-grown uh, canned tomatoes that are are peeled and they're in puree. And what you do, the, the best way to put that sauce on is to just grab two hands into the tomato bin. You're grabbing whole peeled tomatoes, basically. And as you put them over the pizza, you give them a good squeeze that breaks it all up a little bit. And then you just pat them down onto the top of it. Very rarely do you, I mean, yeah, I guess you could use a ladle too, but for the most part, it's a hands-on experience to get those tomatoes on there. And they're big, chunky, uncooked tomatoes. They've never been cooked until they go into the oven for the first time. And then I, people exaggerate the, the actual baking times of, of deep dish pizzas. I think what that mainly comes from is, is how long it actually takes for you to get your deep dish pizza. I think a lot of people don't take into account that there are several orders ahead of theirs and it takes <laughs> right. to you know, get it, get it made on the line before they put it in. But it's typically about 25 minutes in the oven, uh, you know, somewhere around 500 degrees or so. Uh, and that's the first time the sauce will be cooked is, is in the, in the oven on the pizza, the tomatoes go on there. And the reason for that is, is the more you cook down tomatoes, the less sweet they are. You start to, you know, cook away some of the sugars. Um, so you typically want a, an, un, you know, Tomatoes that are, are not doctored up with sugar, oregano, and all those types of spices. You want fresh tomatoes on there, uh, and, and you want to pull out some of the natural sugars and have that sweetness uh, to it. Um, so deep dish pizza, and then it comes to you. You, you cut that in a pie, pie shape, so you get eight slices on a large pizza. Um, and it's, it's thick, but it's not the biggest pizza we have in Chicago. The stuffed pizza is a little bit bigger, and people always mistake that one for deep dish. Uh, true deep dish should be about an inch high or so. The crust shouldn't be super thick, uh, but it should be nice, firm, brittle. Uh, another thing is, too, you know, you want to sit down with a knife and fork and eat it on a plate, but usually the crust is so firm that if you wanted to, you could pick it up with your hand and, and eat it like a slice. I don't see a lot of people that do that, but you, you could do it if you're on the move, I guess. I might have picked up a slice and eaten it with my hands, but only the next day, um, perhaps oh, sure. <laughs> perhaps suffering from a bit of a, uh, <laughs> a Chicago cold, you know, yeah. <laughs> too many old styles or whatnot. But um, so that's basically Chicago style. You mentioned Lou Malnati's, which is one of the most, if not the most famous place for getting Chicago-style pizza. And it's a great place to get Chicago-style pizza. But where's another place that you really love, maybe an underrated place to get Chicago-style deep dish pizza? Right. Well, the, the Melnati name is really one of the, uh, you know, one of the first families of, of pizza in Chicago. Um, and, and Lou comes from, he's, he's the oldest son from Rudy Melnati Sr., who some credit uh, with actually inventing that deep dish pizza at the first place. Um, another one that's uh, it's a little bit lesser known, um, but it's known to, to people that really like pizza in Chicago, um, is a place called Paisano's. And Paisano's, that's where we start a lot of our tours, uh, and that's actually owned by Rudy Melnati Jr. So, oh, okay. the, yeah, the younger Stays in the family. of Rudy Melnati. Of course it does. It's Chicago, right? <laughs> there's nepotism everywhere. Uh, no, but uh, Rudy Melnati Jr., um, he grew up, uh, you know, working in Pizzeria Uno and Douay uh, with his father and, you know, learning the business and then ended up um, – you know, things kind of shake out in the uh, the late 60s, early 70s. And that's when, when Lou Malnati 
starts to realize he's got a family and, and he realizes that he doesn't have any ownership stake in what Pizzeria Uno and Due are. Um, you know, he grew up in this restaurant and this whole time he thought that he was part of it. Um, and that's when he finds out the reality is you, you just work here. Um, so he leaves and, and goes off and, and starts Lou Malnati's in 1971 uh, up in Lincolnwood and in a Jewish neighborhood on an Irish holiday, St. Patrick's Day, he opens up an <laughs> Italian pizza joint. So Perfect timing. Uh, Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Rudy Malnati, he, he, Rudy Malnati Jr., he, he got his start working there as, as well, and uh, not at Luminati's, but at Pizzeria Uno and Due, and he ends up taking a job with the city of Chicago uh, afterwards, but it's not until about 1990, 1991, that his mom basically hits him upside the back of the head and says, what are you doing working from the, for the city? You got this Malnati name, you have your father's recipe. This is how pizza should be done in Chicago. You got to open up your own joint. Uh, and that's what he does. He opens up uh, Paisano's in 1991 using his his father's recipe. Um, and it's some of the most outstanding deep dish pizza uh, in Chicago. I, I really feel like, you know, Uno's is a special place for me. That's where it all started. Um, yes. And, and they, they hold true to the recipe as best they can. Right. Everybody's going to say we're making the same pizza that we did from 1943 or so. Well, suppliers go out of business left and right. So, you know, at some point changes do occur. But I, I really think that Uno's and Paisano's have done their best to stay, tr- uh, you know, true to what the original recipe was um, and, and, and kind of kept it because those two pizzas taste a little bit similar to me. There's definitely some differences. The size of Paisano's is a little bit uh, smaller, but I know that they're using um, a lot of the same suppliers, uh, you know, that they can that were still around from that. And, and they make a, a great, a, you know, one of my favorite deep dishes in town. Uh, I really enjoy both of those places. Um, I think a lot of people, you know, have, have heard of Uno's at this point. It's, you know, such a, a food network type thing or something. And we, we love to start our tours out at Paisano's because oftentimes travelers that are coming to Chicago for the first time, they don't know, they, they've never heard of it or anything. And then that's their first taste of what deep dish is. And they have this, this thought in their head that it's going to be this gigantic over the top slice. I'm going to eat this slice and then I'm going to have to throw up before I go to the next place because I'm going to be so full. And the Paisano's deep dish slice is, is probably one of the smallest deep dishes in, in town. And I think it's just, it's well balanced. It's, it's excellent. It's one of my favorites. Talking about, you know, Chicago has a bunch of other pizza styles. And as someone who grew up in Chicagoland, I didn't even really know about deep dish pizza until I was a little bit older. I grew up on something that was called uh, tavern style pizza. And out in the northwest suburbs, there was this little roadhouse called Charlotte's that my parents would take uh, me and my brothers to all the time. Describe what tavern-style pizza is, because to me, that's the epitome of Chicago, is really tavern-style pizza. Well, I mean, you hit it right on the head there. It is the epitome of Chicago pizza. We don't call it Chicago-style, but like, yeah, I, I mean, that's one of the first things we do. When we're on the tour, we give them the deep dish. That's what they came for. That's what they thought. But we hit them with the fact that, listen, um, we're known for that, but for the most part, the locals only eat it on special occasion when people from out of town are visiting us. What we grew up on is what you just described there, the tavern-style thin crust pizza. It's a circular pizza that is then cut into squares. And the reason they do that is because this pizza was developed um, in, in bars, basically. A, a place like Vito and Nick's uh, on the south side, you know, they've been doing it since 1945, and that place starts as a bar. What's great about Vito and Nick's is, and it, it, uh, Rose, who's the owner, um, you know, she, it was her father's place and, uh, and his father's. 
So we've gone through some of the history. This place opens as a tavern in 1920. And <laughs> what's awesome about that is in 1920 is exactly when prohibition goes. Right. Into so <laughs> great timing. You, yeah. You don't open a bar and the law goes into effect. Well, actually 100 years ago uh, on January 17th. So, um, so basically, yeah, they open up a bar. It's not until the early 40s, though, that they really start, um, you know, Nick convinces his dad to let him start putting on pizzas on the menu. And they developed this pizza that was more of a snack as opposed to a full-blown meal. And with the, the thought process of it was, was let's make the dough, but we're going to take the air out of it. We're not going to let it ferment like that bready type pizza. It's going to be real flat. We'll run it through a sheeter, which is basically two rolling pins that are really close together. You run it through the sheeter like two, three times, and it flattens that pizza out to super, super thin. And then you, you dress it up with their, your sauce, your cheese, and your toppings, and you, you slide it right into the pizza oven on the stone, and you crisp up the bottom of it. And, and what that does is the cheese actually, the cheese and the sauce go all the way to the edge. There's no, what we call the cornicione on, on a slice of pizza or the handle that you would grab on a pie cut slice. Um, there's none of that. The cheese and the sauce go all the way to the edge, and the cheese oftentimes burns over and maybe even sneaks underneath it. And you get a little bit of a brownish black spot that's crisps onto it. The best it's part. The best parts. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and what you do is the, when they pull that pizza out, you know, 12 minutes after uh, being on the, on the stone in the oven, slice it up four times, you know, going across straight four times going across the other way, you get yourself 16 square cut slices on a circular pizza. And they would set that out on the bars and that was for free. And the patrons would just sit there and snack on that while they would keep drinking old style. Um, and, you know, that was, that was how these bars would do it. You, know, you had these working class people that would get off work three, four in the afternoon, head to the watering hole. And uh, by six o'clock, they'd be hungry. They'd go home. Well, not if you're, you're slinging out pie after pie and putting them on the bar. Now you can keep these guys there till you know, eight o'clock or so. They go home, go to sleep go back to work the next morning early and, and repeat. And, and that was really how that style starts to take over. And most of the pizzerias across the, uh, across Chicago from the, the South side to the North side and everywhere in between, um, I would say it was probably 85% of them were doing tavern style thin crust where there was like the 10 to 15% were doing deep dish. And meanwhile, we're known on the food network for deep dish and like you said, you, you were probably close to being a teenager when you, I think one of my friend's parents brought us to Uno's when I was like maybe eight years old and I'd never seen anything like it. Right. We went to Second City for a show. Uh, it was a birthday party. And then we went to Uno's. I'd never seen anything like it. I don't right. even think I liked it at first. <laughs> and then <laughs> it wasn't until like my my teenage years where uh, my 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 friends, one of them, you know, he was an older brother who I was friends with as well. But he got his driver's license. So here I am like a freshman in high school. And our parents are allowing us to go into the city to go to Gino's East for pizza on a Saturday night. And we wait in that long line um, and we get in there and you order your pizza and it takes an hour and a half, you know, but, <laughs> right. but the stipulation was that was the only place we could go to. And then we had to bring them back a full pizza as well. So <laughs> um, and it, it was just pizza was always a big part of my life. I mean, you, you, you know, as a high school kid, you think it's the coolest thing ever when you can take your your, old, your friends uh, beat up a Volkswagen 70s Volkswagen Rabbit 
uh, into the city, find yourself a parking meter, throw some quarters in it and, and go out for pizza, you know, as a, as a 14 year old, you know, <laughs> you know, the thing about the tavern style pizza, going back to that real briefly, you said you, you cut across four ways and then you cut back four ways. And so if you imagine a circular pizza, yeah, the inner, the inner part is all even squares, but on the outer edge, they're not the same size. So you get these little tiny misshapen triangles and whatnot. And me and my brothers would always fight over those because those would be the crispiest little pieces that you would get, those little corner triangles that were close to the edge. Yeah, you're absolutely right. They're, they're almost like these uh, irregular rhombuses or something like yeah. that, you know. But um, you're absolutely the, the best part about that, and, and that's why I truly love the tavern-style cut, is you get that dual texture, right? The outer pieces are extra crispy, but then those inside squares, and depending, sometimes they'll cut them even more than four across, they'll go five and five. And that is when you really get those soft middle pieces that we would always say you can fold and pop, where you basically would take an entire square, fold it over and just throw it on in your mouth sure. as, as like, a, you know, like a chip or something like that. But yes. yeah, yeah, the crispy outer pieces that you would savor and then the the softer inner pieces that you would just, you know, throw on in. Uh, it's uh, even talking about it right now. I'm, I'm, I'm getting hungry for some tavern style. <laughs> that's that's the problem with this podcast is that when you're done, you'll be starving. Uh, where's yeah. your where's your favorite place to get a tavern style pizza in Chicago? Uh, there's so many good ones. Um you know, like I said, you know, there's there's a little over 2,000 pizzerias in Chicago, and uh, you know, 80 at this point now, it's probably about 75% of them are, are tavern style. But I, I love a place uh, called Flo and Santos in the South Loop. They're doing a true tavern style uh, thin crust pizza where they're using the Mancuso cheese and the uh, the Stanislaw tomatoes, and and they get their sausage made from Polina Meat Markets. Um, they're they're one of my favorites for it. Paisano's actually does a really good tavern style thin crust as well. They do it a bit differently though. They almost they use the same dough that they have for their deep dish, and they just turn it into a tavern style cut. It's a unique pizza. I really like it as well. We feature that on the tour, of course, too. Um, Vito and Nick's, which I mentioned for sure, that's like my special occasion pizza. You know, that's it. Like. I think it's 88th uh, and Pulaski, so it's it's not exactly close to the downtown area. It's not close to where I live, uh, but I try to get there, you know, usually three times a year, I would say, and it's usually some for something sort of celebratory, um, and uh, and I just love their pizza. But I mean, you, you, some of these places, I, I don't want, I don't want to belittle them. They're a dime a dozen, man. You could find a million great little tavern style places, uh, even going up and down Archer Avenue um, in like the uh, kind of by, by Midway there. There's a place called Ogie's over there that's really good. Um, there's a place in River Forest not far from me uh, called Bertoli's, which is like, you know, one of my go to's. I'm, I'm there probably once a week in the summer, I would say. There's paths. There's, there's actually two paths. There's one in Lincoln Park and there's one in the South Loop. They're brothers. They had a dough disagreement of some sort, <laughs> and they both own restaurants called Pat's now. Uh, but I, I love them both. Uh, you know, I, I would I lived in the South Loop for a good chunk of uh, my Chicago time there, so uh, the Pat's in the South Loop was one of my go-to's. Um, I love a place called Marie's up on the North Side. Marie's Liquor. It's a. Uh, it's actually a like a lounge that you go into, right? And, um, you know, the red leather booths and the, the, the carpeting on the floor, they got the, um, oh gosh, what do you call the, uh, the, 
the cowboy type doors that, that lead to oh, the, the bathroom. Oh, the swinging doors, yeah. The swinging cow, yeah. We, they got those before the bed. It's like a time capsule, basically, when you go there. Oh, man, and, that place uh, sounds awesome. Here's the best part. When you leave, you have to exit through their liquor store. So it's, <laughs> it's Marie's Packaged Goods. They have a liquor store attached to it. So there's only one way in and then one way out. You actually have to walk through their liquor store. Now, who in their right mind isn't going to go there, get pizzas and a few old styles or whatever, and then on the way out, be like, ah, yeah, I'll take something too. You right. know, grab something for the, for the walk back home. Um, there's another place right around the corner from there too. That, and this is, where I, this is where I like to explore. It's all about the journey as opposed to finding the best slice. Everybody, like I won't say everybody, but Marie's is a popular joint. It's a big restaurant. A lot of people go there. It's packed all the time. Uh, not more than, than four blocks away um, near the corner of Lawrence and Alston is a, a tiny little pizza shop called uh, Sano's. And Sano's has this beautiful folds oven in the window. It's a tiny oven that, that maybe holds five, six pizzas at tops in it, which is the Folds oven is a, a carousel. Think of like a Ferris wheel inside oh, okay. of a gas oven. And, um, and it's a small version of it. Usually they're as big as, uh, a, you know, half the size of a wall or something like this. this one's just smaller than, a, than the size of a person. And uh, it's got, Frank is in the window running that pizza through a sheeter, putting the sauce on, dressing them up, putting them in the oven himself, taking it on himself. I have a buddy that lives right around the corner from there. And when we go to get pizza, we'll get it to bring back to maybe go watch football at his house. And he, he's like, Frank, don't, don't worry about it. Just, just put it in the box. I live right there. It's, it's fine. And this guy will, like a, like a mad scientist, throw down the cornmeal, put the pizza in, start to close the box, but like, no, wait, pick, takes the pizza out, <laughs> moves the cornmeal, puts the screen, redoes it again. It's like, no, it doesn't matter. We're, we're going to open it and tear into it in seconds, not minutes, seconds. <laughs> just just leave it, you know. But I, I love that. Kickoff is in two minutes. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, so, um, so there's – so there's so many, you know, I, I would hate to say that, oh, those are my favorite places because there's so many little places like that, um, neighborhood joints that like, you know, people go to that. That's their Thursday night or their Saturday night pizza place. Um, and there's, there's literally thousands of them, you know, scattered throughout the, the city and the suburbs. And, uh, you know, I just love places like that. So um, it's, it's, it reminds me of, the, of some of the pizzas I grew up eating, which are no longer around. Like, you know, uh, my Dad's family was from from Melrose Park, um, which you know we we would have a lot of Sunday dinners out there, and it would be all these different lounges that no longer exist anymore. They, these mobbed up joints that burned down in the middle of the night with nothing in it. You know, surprise, exactly. Um, Capizzi's and and I, I can barely remember the name Jake's Lounge and Capizzi's <laughs> and all this stuff. But uh, but those are the types of pizzas I remember eating growing up, and and some of my earliest memories of pizza and and. Uh, you know, it's just a, it's like a, a treasure in Chicago. So I love bringing groups to places like that, places that you're not going to do a, a Yelp or a TripAdvisor search and be like, oh, I found this place, Sano's up on the it looks like it's about seven miles from our hotel and in the middle of uh, the, the Mayfair neighborhood, or, you know, right. Jefferson Park. <laughs> yeah, well, let's go there. You know, they, they wouldn't think to go to a place like that. So I, I love places like that. Uh, you know, to talk about and showcase. And that's the thing. There's so many great neighborhoods in Chicago. So go to the neighborhood place wherever you happen to be staying. Uh, we're talking to Jonathan Porter of Chicago Pizza Tours. John, um, 
there's so many other styles of pizza in the world, and it seems like all of them have migrated to Chicago. Talk about some of the other styles besides we did the tavern style, we did the Chicago deep dish style. What else is in Chicago as far as pizza styles goes? Well, you're absolutely right. These, the, these styles seem to really be finding a home in Chicago and more specifically in the neighborhoods of Chicago. Um, and really, it was, it was 2001 um, when I started to learn about this was, was that uh, I was living in Bucktown at the time with some friends and we heard about this new place that was going in just down the, down the road called Peace Pizza. And uh, we were excited because it's a new pizza place and, you know, we, that's the first thing we're going to do. So we called up to order pizzas and um, the first question out of that, we're like, we're going to get a sausage pizza because that's what we do. We're in Chicago. So we call up to get a sausage pizza and the person's like, okay, do you want to get the plain, the red or the white? And we're like, oh, you know, this is a Sunday morning. We're a little hungover. We got to figure this out. Like, uh, <laughs> We'll we'll call you back. So we hang up. We're like, what the heck is that? You know. And this isn't a time where you you jumped on the internet and figured out what it was. We're like, so we would call back and figure out. Okay, are they so- are they from? Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in right here. Are they from yeah. New England? Maybe. Yeah, they're 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 New Haven, Connecticut. New Haven. That's- okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Absolutely. So uh, so yeah. So we we, we kind of get down to it. we're like, all right, a white pizza is a sauceless pizza. We'll we want sauce on our pizza. What's the plan? The plain doesn't have mozzarella cheese. Well, oh, forget that. We, we, we need mozzarella. All right, we'll, we'll take the red, right? You know, we just get a red sausage pizza. And I think the first time we had it, we, we didn't understand it. We didn't even really like it. it it's, it's To say that it's cut in, in triangle shapes, it's actually cut like in these real skinny. So like where a normal pizza would be cut into like maybe eight slices, uh, um, the New Haven would be cut into almost like maybe 14 slices they're they're like these longer skinnier Mm -hmm. they're still you know triangle shaped strips but um so i you know i think what first time we got it we said what is this whatever but you know being the good chicagoans that we are we we kept giving it a couple tries we went in there we started and then we really started to fall in love with this style of pizza like well this is vastly different from what we understood pizza was but it's really good you know and it, it had the uh the the type of dough where it was like you had to almost rip it, uh, you know, from from the from the slice, and then you were chewing it. It was so chewy, and you were just sitting there, and it was sitting in your molars, and you were just mashing it up for extended periods of time, and uh, really fell in love with that slice. And you know, you fast forward a few more years, and then suddenly that opens the doors for like now. The next thing you know, Neapolitan places are coming in here, and you know, Spacanopoli is doing a wood fired true to you know Naples, Italy, where he's following all of the rules that you know this type of flour very very strict (laughs) very strict it it really is and you know and it's twofold right like those rules are meant to preserve this the type of beef you want to get you know stamped with a vpn certification and say that we are doing pizza napolitana they want to make sure that you're doing it the way it's done in Naples. And uh, Jonathan Goldsmith, the owner of, of Spacanopoli, um, he works very hard at uh, making sure that, you know, if, if you were to go get pizza at his place, it's going to taste just like it would if you were, you know, in the Amalfi Coast there eating eating pizza. So um, he, he does a really good job of, of uh, staying true to the – it's almost like the religion of pizza, you know, that, that, that they're into there. So Neapolitan then kind of – makes its way into the Chicago neighborhoods. Again, none of this is downtown stuff. Downtown, you're finding mostly deep dish, a little bit of tavern style at, at this point. I think one of the thing is you've got people who are immigrating to Chicago and 
they can't afford the rents downtown, but in the suburbs or outside of the city, it's a little bit cheaper. They can open up a storefront and they can do their thing. Absolutely. And it's also it's also the, the customers out there. You know, every time people that live in the Ravenswood neighborhood, they every time they get a, a honker in for pizza, they're not going to head downtown and, and seek out some of these places. They want to go to the local, they support the local business that, that's down there. Um, so it, it, it's a twofold, right? They, they get a, a, a deal on the rent out there and then they, they get a, a different clientele that's maybe not in town for the trade show that wants to get that deep dish pizza. They have somebody that day in and day out wants to get something a little you know, a little different like that. Um, so and then shortly after that, you know, 2007 is when, when coal fire opens up and that's the first coal oven pizza to come to Chicago. Um, and, and that was really one of the eye openers for me too. kind of like the, the aha, the aha moment of, of the pizza tour. You know, when I was doing my explorations in, in 2008 and I was driving down Grand Avenue and literally you just, the, the, it was kind of in this nothing zone. And I'm driving down Grand Avenue, cutting over to Ashland because I was living in Bucktown. I was going to take that up there. And um, I drive by and I just see this giant fire, you know, in the window at night. <laughs> I'm like, what is this? It says coal fire pizza. I'm like, there's a giant coal fire in there. And, let, you know, let's try it. So uh, my wife and I went there and we got a few different pizzas. And it, again, it was that, that peace situation where I'm modifying what they've got. I'm like, I'll take a margarita pizza, but put some sausage on it, you know, and stuff like that. So, um, but yeah, we, we'd had some pizzas and it was really different than the peace pizza that I had had. It was really different than the Neapolitan pizza that I had had. And I really liked it. It was, um, it, it, you know, it's East coast influenced to start off with, but it's really like a hybrid that, that brought in certain aspects of like Chicago style pizza too, with regards to the meats that were used and the way the sauce was done. And, and, uh, I, it was, you know, I, it was, it was just a really good pizza. It was, it was an eye opener for me. Um, cause that was the moment where I was like, okay, if I'm going to do a pizza tour, there's not a chance that I can do that, that I can start off with an, with a walking tour. I really need to get people out of the downtown area on a bus and take them out to a place like this and be like, listen, when, when, you know, like I said before, when we're hungry for pizza, we don't always rush downtown and get ourselves a deep dish pizza. We might walk to a place like this and get pizza like this. And that's kind of where the, the culture of Chicago pizza is gone is all these this influx of of different styles of pizza. Um, you know, even if we can even fast forward from, from there after coal fire, you're seeing places like there's a. There's an Oregon style pizza. Oh, what's that? It, it's uh, it's more artisanal, um, a little bit thick pie cut, uh, but it's a little bit thicker, and you know different types of toppings that we wouldn't think to put on pizza. You know, maybe maybe even like acorns and stuff. It's not exactly my favorite or anything, but you know, it exists and it exists in the it, neighborhood. Acorns? Are, are you kidding, John? Acorns? Or are you just making that up, or is that a real thing? It's sort of a real thing. You're, uh, you're just exaggerating, but I get your point. <laughs> yeah, they, they get a little crazy with it. Um, but then uh, we we also get Quad City style pizza, which now I mean, tell me about Quad City's pizza because I've never heard of Quad City's pizza. Right here, here I am. I've, I'm running a pizza tour. I'm going to pizza shows. Uh, my wife's best friend lives in the Quad City, and I never even heard of a quad cities style of pizza and you know when it when it opened here i asked my wife's friend and she's like oh yeah because she lives she literally lives in the quad cities and she's like oh yeah we have it quad cities pizza is terrible <laughs> 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 
She's like, I like Chicago. She's a tavern style fan. Um, like Italian Fiesta was one of her. That's another tavern style one that I love to talk about too. I, I forgot to mention earlier. But uh, anyways, um, it's basically, they use a little bit more malt in the dough. So think of it as okay. close to the tavern style pizza as far as the, the dough goes, but with a little bit more malt. So there's some sweetness in the dough. Um, they definitely use a different cheese because it does – if on tavern-style pizzas, that cheese tends to brown a little bit. It gets that littleish orangish color to it. Um, it burns and, and browns a little bit um, where this cheese kind of stays stark white. And um, they crumble up their sausage in a very weird way where it almost – and this isn't going to sound good, but it – it almost it almost tastes like somebody chewed it for you already. Oh yeah, I'm not, I'm not a huge fan. Yeah, of you're, you're selling it hard, John. <laughs> I appreciate the fact that Chicago is a place that that loves pizza, where we can bring in other styles like this. Um, it's just it's not my go-to as far as as what, what we like. Uh, the, the name of the place that does Quad Cities Pizza, and, and it's a great business. They they do a, a good book of business. They got a couple locations, but it's it's Roots Handmade Pizza. Um, and, and while it's it's not my favorite you know style of pizza, I think that what they're they're replicating that Quad Cities Pizza the way it should be. So it's not one that I grew up eating. It's not one that I, I think of with pizza, but they're doing a good job of that pizza specifically. And the other thing is, too, is instead of cutting it with the pizza wheel uh, that we all know, they cut it with scissors and they cut it into these long strips. So okay. think of a pizza that gets cut in half down the middle and then long strips going across. So each slice is half the size of a piece of pizza. And it's like, um, you know, it starts with that circular edge, but then it makes its way into a square slice sort of. So it's just it's a little different. Um, I'll, I'll leave it at that. But it, it's a little different. And, you know, Chicago is such a pizza town that that uh, we've got a couple of places doing it. So so that's that's cool. Um, another style that, that's that's come on in a huge way here in the last few years is uh, Detroit style pizza. And yes, it's yes. one of the things where I, th I would say if you go back to 2000. 11 2012 probably people didn't know too much about what detroit style pizza everybody knew chicago style pizza but they didn't know detroit style pizza and detroit style pizza is actually really good we've got some places that are doing it um Pauly g's logan square does a, an excellent job the, the chef derek over there uh, chef, owner chef derek um he's actually competed with his square pizza and uh, and won uh competitions in parma i believe and it's um you know you, you take a look at this pizza this square pizza that's got burnt cheese all along the edges um and you're going to think to yourself that all right this is going to be a big thick slice but it's so the fermentation that's taken place inside there it's so airy it's so light it, you, you think oh, there's no way i'll be able to eat more than one slice and you can end up eating half of a pizza uh because it's it, it does eat so light and it's such a digestible product too you don't feel awful after you eat it um there's a lot of flavor that can be found and Detroit style pizza and there's more and more places are popping up doing Detroit style pizza uh which is a good thing you know because uh you know we're not too far from Detroit and I feel like you know the the word is out that Detroit style pizza is good so I'm I'm glad that Chicago is embracing it as opposed to being like well not in this town in this town we do Chicago style pizza right um right. 
it's just and there's there's a lot of people that that uh, that come from Michigan that live in Chicago. So uh, you know, there's definitely there was a market for it at first, and now that locals are discovering it too, they're like, yeah, this is pretty good. So I'm the same way. I love Detroit style pizza. I I didn't know about it. I first discovered it when we were in Austin in 2012, and there was a great place down in Austin that does Detroit style pizza, but. Yeah, I, I hadn't heard of it before, but I love the way you describe it. You know, they they bake it in these big sheet pans and you get that the the cheese, you called it burnt, I call it caramelized, and it's just it's so beautiful with a glass of beer. And let's talk about drinking because after I, I guess the most important decision you'll ever have to make is what toppings you're gonna have on your pizza. But the second most important decision you'll ever have to make is what beer you're going to have with your pizza and is is there is there an art to pairing pizza with beer there is there there definitely is um and one of the one of my favorite um you know uh i I go to the international pizza expo almost every single year i've maybe missed one or two um but i try to make it out there every year and it's it's in las vegas uh it's usually late march or so during march madness and um, it's the biggest pizza show, uh, in, in the world. And, and for, you know, five days, everybody from the pizza industry kind of descends on, on Las Vegas, whether it's oven makers, cheese purveyors, tomato growers, uh, you know, just anything you could possibly think of that has to do with, with pizza or running a pizzeria is, is all there for, for this trade show. And there's a lot of seminars and, and, and demos that are done. One of my favorite demos on the floor came in a, in a 2014 trip to, the pizza expo and we were uh, we were there we were sitting in on one that talked about, about pairing craft beer with pizza and you know and and how to do so and why even too and we were starting to move away from you know drinking these cheap light beers um and and move into drinking maybe just a, less of it but a quality beer that's a little bit stronger that has more flavor and one of the first things uh, that that they talk about is you know people always like to pair food with wine right and what what the wine does is it helps to open up as you drink the alcohol it helps to open up the taste buds on your tongue but with beer specifically having the carbonation and the bubbles it actually scrubs your tongue clean so if you're drinking a, a pale ale or, or you know some sort of IPA or, or even just like a good lager you know you are actually preparing yourself. For that first slice of pizza and if you make the right choice that can enhance the flavor of the pizza that you're going to have next so the the, the main thing that we talked about was it was pairing citrus with tomatoes anything orangish anything that had an orange or tangerine or or that type of flavor would really help to bring out the tomato flavor uh, of a pizza that had a rich tomato sauce. And and that's one of the things we look for on our pizza and cocktails tour. When we're at La Briola, which uses just a, a natural uh, California-grown tomato, I always recommend um, you know some site, some type of of ale that that's got a, an orange or, or a, at least a citrus influence to it because it really starts to pull together the richness of that pizza. Um, and the same can be said if it, you know if you know what toppings you're going to have. If you know you're going to use like a salty pepperoni or something like that, try to think about what flavors you like to pair with salt. Um, my my best advice to anybody that's that's looking to match a beer with pizza. It's always to start out with, well, what do you like? You know, what, what flavors do you, do you like? What are you interested in? 
what will will go, you know, because I don't want to give you maybe the best pairing that's going to bring out the flavors of this if you don't like that flavor, <laughs> you know, right. or something like that. It, it's really up to people on their own. People know more about their taste buds than they than they give themselves credit for. They always want a uh, uh, you know, I'm putting this in quotes here, a sommelier to come by and say this one with this one. Um, and it's really more about uh, the, the best question to ask is, you know, what do you like? So um, Goose Island, you know, for me, it, that that's one of those. It, it, it's a badge of honor in Chicago, right? Like old style growing up. That's the classic here in Chicago. But <laughs> when you're when you're 16 years old or, or, or well, you know, right. back, back in the day, <laughs> back in the day. Exactly. But yeah, Goose Island is just is I remember when Goose Island first opened and I had already moved away from Chicago and our friends took us there and it was just revelatory. I'm like, you can you can go in and they brew the beer right here. And it was just fantastic. They've sold now to Anheuser-Busch, right? Has, has it changed yes. at all since then? Well, so here's what I'll say. I, I had the same revelation. Like I, I get out of college. I've been drinking Milwaukee's Best for four years <laughs> right. and Keystone Light. And then uh, suddenly my friends are like, let's go to this Goose Island Brewery on Clyde And you can see the tanks and they're brewing it there. And you're like, wow, what is this double IPA or this India, you know, pale ale? And, I was, and uh, the, the tastes were just shocking to me. Like this is beer, you know, um, they, you're absolutely right. So, so that was kind of like my first introduction to craft beer and, and breweries and they, they've sold to Anheuser, like you said, but they've kept all the brewing the same. It, it basically, the sale to Anheuser just changed up their distribution model. So where they can, you know, where Goose Island now has a further reach where you go to the Hard Rock Casino in Las Vegas and there's a Goose Island bar there and there's. You can get Goose Island in Seattle and all that. So um, it was a good move for, for Goose Island, I'm sure, to to go ahead and sell. Uh, but it, they really stayed true to their recipes, and, and they've been doing the same thing they've been doing forever. Now, I would say as far as craft breweries go, they they went out and did some craft stuff. Since then, breweries have been, been getting crazy around here. Small batch breweries are taking flavors to the next level. I mean – Things that you would never even imagine are coming together in beer in some of these craft breweries around here. Um, I'm super fortunate that the office I'm sitting in right now, right outside my door, I'm in Bridgeport, uh, it's on the south side of Chicago, but right outside my door is Mars Brewery, which I was biased because, oh, Mars came in here and I, I thought it was great. It's fantastic beer. They make a punchki beer right around this time of year because for, for Fat Tuesday, you, you pair it with your punchkis in the morning, um, yeah, which is it's crazy, right? But I thought it was legitimate, really good beer, and I don't consider myself a beer expert by any means. Um, but then I asked some of my, my beer expert friends, and they, it was coming around. It, that was always in the top 10 list. So I was glad to know that, you know, Mars Brewery right, right here locally was, was one of the, uh, one of the considered one of the best as well. I, I liked it myself, but I, it's always good to, to have some backup for it. Um, I don't know if you know, three Floyds out of Northwest Indiana. No. Um, people tend to forget that, you know, we're Chicago, right? People tend to forget that Northwest Indiana is closer to Chicago than a lot of suburbs of Chicago. Uh, it's right over the border. Um, I, I can get to Northwest Indiana much quicker than I can get to Naperville. Uh, you know, I always say, but Three Floyds was one that was kind of pushing the envelope too, and and they would have you know their Dark Lord Day where they would brew this dark Russian stout beer, and it was only on one day of the year, and people were scalping tickets for it. It's like a hundred dollars for a ticket, and you would only get like two beers or something. But it became this culture of like, wow, look what these guys. These it, it's really artists making beer that are that are just the artists and chefs 
chefs that are making beer now. And, um, you know, we've, we've got so many breweries. Uh, Chicago's got so many great ones. Like, uh, you know, I, like I mentioned, I mentioned Goose Island, Three Floyds, and Mars. But Maplewood up on the north side is one that you find at Binnie's a lot. And you recognize that logo and they're doing great stuff. Um, Half Acre, I remember that. There, there wasn't uh, – you couldn't walk into a bar without finding a daisy cutter beer from Half Acre in, in the summer of 2012. Um, and uh, Five Rabbits, who uh, – they're, they're a local cerveceria where it was a Latino-inspired craft brew place. They were the ones that were cool. actually – yeah, they were – I just watched a documentary on them um, recently. They were selling beer at the Trump Tower um, when he got the nomination, uh, you know, for, for president. And then he said all those things about Mexicans and there's this Mexican craft beer. They pulled the beer and they wow. Yeah. Good for them. It, think about it. It was a startup at the time. It, and, and, and this was their big customer and they pulled the beer and they renamed, they had to rename it and they named, they named it. And then ended up being Chingatupelo, which you can translate. Inflate that, but Tupelo means your hair, and I'm sure you can figure out what Chinga means. <laughs> I love these guys. I, I I hope they have distribution out here because I'm going to be looking for them. Yeah, Five Rabbits Brewery. Yeah, they, I remember they ended up. Uh, Gino's East was one of the, the companies that ended up buying um, some of their beer. You know, as as like a you know, we'll, we'll, you're not selling them anymore. We'll take your beer. Um, uh, we're doing a, we're doing an event at Low Res Brewery, which is just in Pilsen, just down the road here. We're doing an event there Sunday um, for our Prohibition tour, um, so I can't wait. There's just so many places like that uh, around town, and uh, I mean, I live in Oak Park. There's a place called Kinslager there, where all their beers are. It's craft brewery, but it's, but it's uh they're all lagers, which they drink a little bit lighter. It doesn't. Make, if you if you have one too many, it doesn't feel like a lightning bolt stuck on the back of your head, you know, because sometimes these beers taste amazing, but they use so many ingredients. They're so heavy on you that that uh, you know it's tough for your body to process that without uh, you know creating a hangover the next day. It, it's hard to drink. It's hard to drink more than one, and I often feel like going into these craft brew places, they'll put a lager in there. But it's almost an afterthought, you know, okay, we're going to toss a lager in there. It's good to hear that there are, because I enjoy having a lager every once in a while. I enjoy, uh, you know, something a little bit lighter that's not going to absolutely overwhelm me. And sometimes with spicy food, especially a, a lager is a lager's nice to have. Sure. And I mean, if, if they're able to do it with a lot of flavor too, like some of these heavier ales, that, that's a huge bonus for me, um, which is, you know, I think Kins Lager does an excellent job of that. Um, but another one of my favorites too is actually, it's not even in the city limits. It's in Lombard. It's in a, a weird strip mall in Lombard. Okay. Um, but it's, it's noon whistle, which is a great name. Yes. Um, and they've, they've kind of, they've got this, this, can i think they invented this can where it's like you know the old pop tops that you had on on the old old styles back in the day where yes. you would pull you, it off like you pull it off like, it's not just goes right into the can you actually pull the tab off pulled it off and it was like this little you know tear shaped hole that would be in the top they have that same concept where you actually just pull the whole top of your beer off or the whole top of your can off and you drink it like it's out of a glass <laughs> and uh yeah and it's in their out can. of a can it's great yeah, it is, it's great. And they're the one of the things behind it, what they what they said is beer was never meant to be drank out of a small hole in the top of a can. <laughs> okay. It needs to be drank out of a glass. But if you don't have a glass handy, this, you know, little aluminum can becomes your glass. <laughs> but uh, but they they're doing some incredible stuff there. And, and they, they do a lot of gummy beers. 
So there's like these pineapple gummies and Northeast IPA gummies and everything's got this gum. It's uh, again, you don't want to drink more than two of them or so, but uh, they're a little bit stronger and it's got a real, uh, it's great for pairing with pizza. It's got a real fruity, um, but still somewhat beer tasting as well. Um, so they're, they're doing some great stuff and I know they, they got a lot of traction. They're, they're building a huge fan base and, uh, I'm assuming at some point they're going to make their way into the city limits here because I, I don't think, uh, I, I think they've got bigger plans than the, the facility they have in Lombard. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. So, John, th- these tours are just sound amazing to me. And your place is called Chicago Pizza Tours. When someone's in Chicago, how can they book a tour and get in touch with you? Uh, well, the best way is to just uh, find us on our website. It's uh, chicagopizzatours.com. Easy, easy website to remember, chicagopizzatours.com. Um, we'll have a schedule up there. We run a couple different options. We run uh, a walking tour. We run bus-driven tours for the most part, the original. And we run an evening Saturday night pizza and cocktails tour where we match beers and wine with pizza as well. Um, and, and, yeah, it's just like a, you know, a baseball schedule. There's a calendar of events. Figure out what day you're going to be here. Grab a ticket, and uh, we'd love to take you out for some pizza tours. Oh, sounds great, John. Next time I'm in Chicago, definitely we're going out for some pizza. Thanks for being on the program, and uh, we will definitely be seeing you in Chicago. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, two things to take away. First, I got to get John back on the podcast because we didn't even touch on stuffed pizza. So I'll reach out to John. We'll do another episode, and then we can talk about some other Chicago foodie things like the culinary oddity that is the Chicago hot dog. Second, I think a podcast about a single food item like pizza is a good idea, so I'll have to think about it and do something like this again. Don't forget to check out DestinationEatDrink.com. I've written over 40 foodie travel guides for cities all over, including places you might not have considered like Lyon, France, Auckland, New Zealand, and Lecce, Italy. Well, that's it for this week, but don't miss next week. I'll be in Charleston, South Carolina for red rice, grits, and desserts you can only get at a place called a tea room, which, trust me, it's totally different than what you're picturing when I say tea room. Destination Eat Drink is distributed by Ed Silla and the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Thank you, Ed. I'm Brent Peterson. I will see you down the road. Join us next week for another culinary adventure on Destination Eat Drink, a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network.